Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You absolute bloody legends. Welcome back to another episode of Fat Chat by Body Magic. Now, the episode today, there's no other word for it. It's just fucking cool. Such a cool episode. And if you're listening to this at some point, even if you don't watch the whole thing, head on over to the YouTube uh, channel and just watch a couple of minutes because you can see just how cool my guest is just sitting on the couch, doing his thing, telling his stories. That was bloody awesome. So the episode today, I'm joined by... A basketball legend. His name is Corey Homicide Williams. So if you haven't heard of Homicide before, you're going to know all about him by the end of this episode. So he grew up in the Bronx in New York. Uh, he made his way up through the streetball competitions there. He found himself in the NBA, in professional leagues all over the world, and eventually found himself in uh, in Australia playing for the Townsville Crocs. He won an MVP here. He was uh, public enemy number one whenever he came to Perth, sending uh, a challenge stadium at the time into genuine, almost a riot. I was there. We go into that story. Uh, and he's just got such an incredible journey and uh, and career and just hearing all of the stories from all of the leagues that he's played all, all around the world and making the most of all these opportunities that he's been given have just been incredible. And then since uh, retiring from basketball, he's transitioned to um, a fantastic media career post his uh, basketball career. And we go into everything there, all the commentating uh, that he's been doing, all the other little projects. And it was just a great, great listen. And uh, so good to uh, sit down with the great man. This is seriously, seriously entertaining. And I can't wait for everybody to uh, have a listen and enjoy the podcast with uh, Corey Homicide Williams. It's an absolute belter. And uh, if you haven't already, just make sure if, you, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, that you're subscribing or following along to uh, the Fat Chat channels. And it really goes a long way into getting more guests on the uh, podcast. If you just leave it a five-star review, um, we get some good reviews on there. And uh, just keep the following going up and just keep tuning on in and sharing the episodes around. It uh, really goes a long way. But uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode with Homicide. You are going to love this. Here we go. All right, now this is actually crazy that I've got this man sitting next to me because he is oh, he's part of some real iconic moments for myself, iconic core basketball memories. I can't wait to hear everything about uh, uh, his professional career, but then also life after the game and all the amazing things that he's getting up to right now. He plays 
professional basketball all around the world, uh, a league MVP here in the NBL. Uh, he's uh, a commentator for the NBL along with heaps of other roles, which I can't wait to hear all about. Please welcome Corey Homicide Williams. <laughs> oh, my man. Oh. Thanks for having me, man. How you doing? Man, so good. So good. It's an absolute pleasure to sit down with you because uh, being from Perth, you know, we uh, we love to hate Corey Homicide a little bit. We so have a relationship. We do. We do. We do. Exactly right. So like how we um, uh, first got connected on Insta, I gave you a message uh, and uh, even just to come and do the pod you were saying, uh, uh, I've been saying to all the guests, what do you want to drink? Do you want a coffee? Do you want this and that? And what was your request? Dom Perignon. And I said, all right, I literally, I went down to the shops, ready? Now, this is no word of a lie. I went down to the shops and there was on the shelf, where are we? They were, they were out. Mm-hmm. There's none. There's none on the shelf. So I went, what, what's the next, what's the <laughs> next best thing, right? It's a true story. What's yeah. the next best thing? So I got the Australian version this is called Passion Pop. Have you ever had Passion yo, Pop before? Yo, listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> yo, listen, man. Yo, you have got to be kidding me, man. Oh, my God. So we got some Passion Pop for you, Corey. I don't know if you've had it, but it's pretty much when you're 16 years old. Oh, uh, this is what you take God. around to the party. So I don't know if you've had it yet, but oh you're going to, we're going to, we, we've, we've broken the stand. But, mate, that's for you. Uh, it's a, <laughs> for the same price of the uh, the Dom P. You could get about, you could get about 70 bottles of this yeah. for one. One bottle of Dom P. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, oh. you enjoy that at oh. home. You let me know how oh the other uh, passion pop is. Hilarious! <laughs> they must have gave you a check. To pull that up. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> well, mate, I can't wait to uh, hear your thoughts. So, yeah, chuck that on there. Let's see if that'll hang on. Let's get this thing down there. Too much. Yeah, that's good. There we go. There we there go. We go. Well, mate, and then the other thing uh, that uh, when we were messaging and I um, uh, just mentioned about is you're part of a core cool basketball memory for me. So being a massive Wildcats fan, uh, I can't remember the exact year, but this was me and my dad who's behind the camera here and uh, we're at Challenge Stadium, right? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah. And so I would have been uh, 12 years no, old. No, it's 2009. Sorry. 08, 09 season. 12, 13 years old, down Challenge Stadium. We're playing the Crocs and... Corey Homicide Williams sends the place into an absolute riot, which I've never been to a sporting event of any sport that that has happened at or since. I don't know if it ever will again. Oh, my God, bro. That was uh, iconic. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so funny because whenever I see a Perth fan, they bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> and the interesting part about it, what a lot of people don't remember is the week before. Yes. We went to Challenge Stadium and we got belted by almost 40 points. So we knew going into that final series, Perth is already thinking, well, we beat them we're by 40. Smash these guys. Of course we're going to smash them. Yep. And, uh, you know, it went the way it went. And, man, it was just something just came into me, came out of me, actually, when I, you know, after I finished the play. Yes. Caught the dunk and then just ripped my jersey off and ran around. <laughs> The arena. I think um, they brought the best out of me. You know, the, the Perth Wildcats really did. Those fans are so passionate and they love their team. And I never played well at Challenge Stadium. I never played well. And if I did, we lost. So yep. you can't play well and really lose. Like that doesn't hold any weight or value. Yes. So that was my best game ever. And it was, I think that was a game that really um, stamped me as not only like, the number one hated player in Perth, <laughs> but like the bad boy in the league. 
For sure. And like, that was like the breakout that moment. That was the breakout moment where it was like, yo, homicide. Is here. Is here. <laughs> oh, you made everybody <laughs> know that you were there. Homicide <laughs> is here. <laughs> It was I, honestly oh the, the stands were shaking, yeah. the, and everyone. I was fine. I was like, you got the jersey off. I was, was awesome. That was nuts. Um, I don't think um, it was great to be a part of. You yeah. know what I mean, because you know, whenever you know you're a part of history, meaning not just the jersey part of it, the yep. antics of it, but we beat a, a, a top seated, you know, super stacked. Yeah. And started and being Townsville Perth that Wildcats time. team, yeah, and it was the Townsville Crocs that did it. Yeah, the underdogs. And, yeah, yeah, the underdogs, and the way we did it, and how it ended. You will never forget Townsville Crocodiles, and you definitely ain't gonna forget Corey Williams. Definitely not. <laughs> that was awesome, mate. So uh, you're an iconic figure in Australian basketball, all around the world for basketball, and I can't wait to hear your amazing story and uh, all the projects that you've been up to and life after the game and, and everything else that you got going on. So let's sort of go like right back and we'll work our way forward. So tell us a little about like, you know, you growing up, your family, and how you got into basketball. Well, uh, growing up in New York City, that's the basketball mecca, so... My brother, who's three years older than me, he started playing basketball at yep. a young age. I wasn't really into it. One day I was bored and I was like, I don't have anything really else, else to do. I'll just go what down. What do you got going on? I'll just go watch you play. He had a game. Yeah. And he didn't want, to, want me to go with him because I was like the uncool young brother. Gotcha. And finally, finally he allowed me to go with him and it was love at first sight. I started playing late. I started playing around 11, 12 usually. Yep. Kids in New York City, you starting at five, six. So I had a lot of catching up to do. Yep. Ended up um, having poor grades in middle school. And when it was time to go to high school, um, the schools that let me in, accepted me, they were really bad schools. So my mother um, definitely was not letting her son go down that route. My mm -hmm. brother was smart, so his grades, he was fine with the school that he went to. But for me, she took me to an all-boys Catholic school and begged the dean to let her son in. Wow. And they had me on academic probation for the first half of the first year. And what year was this? This is This is 91. This yep. is high school. High school, yeah. Yeah, and she paid tuition. I had to wear blazer, you know, a tie, slacks, shoes, the whole the whole nine, college private shirt. school thing, yeah. Private school. It was a private Catholic school, all boys. And the discipline is what was needed. My father died when I was three. So growing up um, in the South Bronx, New York, that's not an easy place to... Um, raised two boys, and by the grace of God, um, you know, we made it through. And um, that's where my true love of basketball really kicked in the gear. I didn't know what school I was going to. This was like the best Catholic all-boys school in New York City. Yep. This actually was the number one high school in the nation with basketball. Felipe Lopez was there. He was LeBron before LeBron in high school. Yep. He was the one that graced Sports Illustrated, first player ever to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated in high school. And seeing that pathway, did that then, you know, spark that for you? Yeah, that was a basketball uh, pipeline, that, yep. that school. So I had a lot of work to do basketball-wise, but 
with so much talent in there and me willing to want to get better, how could I not improve? Absolutely. And uh, I've heard you speak about on other podcasts and shows and videos and stuff um, about, you know, your mum and uh, how, how well she raised you and getting you the best opportunities. What influence did she have on you growing up and providing you with the best opportunities that you absolutely could? I mean, just, just uh, my number one fan, the, the undying support and the love that she poured into not just me, but all of us and just the belief, just don't watch nobody else. She just kept giving, kept giving me these, these lessons that I carry with myself till this day. I tell my daughter the same thing. Like, yep. don't watch nobody else. Just do your own thing. Cause I used to come home sometimes like I'm playing hard. Why am I not getting recruited by colleges? Why are these players getting it? She said, listen, don't watch nobody else. Just keep doing your thing. What's going to come your way is going to come. Just be prepared and be ready. And um, I'm glad that I always listened to her. I'm glad that I always wanted to make her proud. Like the moves and the decisions that I make in my life till this day. I always want my mother to be able to say, that's my son. Yep. And my daughter to be able to say, that's my father. Yep. If they're saying those things, that means I've done the right thing. Absolutely, no yeah, doubt. for sure. And uh, growing up in uh, the Bronx in New York, rough neighborhood, what was that like for you growing up and sort of making your way through that? I mean, it's the concrete jungle. Um, there's a lot of different stories and we all have different experiences and no one's experience is really the same. But um, it was really, really tough. Thank God for basketball. You know, you around um, some of the best type of people and the worst kind of people. We're just all in this place Um existing and it's up to you to figure out which route you want to go and how to get out of it um no one you know um wakes up and says okay i want to live in this type of environment yep. it is what it is yep. you know so um it's not my fault how i'm born and what situation i'm born into it's my fault when i die what situation i'm in so you know, you just basketball really saved my life, man. I had a lot of friends who didn't play and they didn't have the opportunities that I had because of that ball. Mm. And that's why I always treated the game with so much respect because I knew what this game, seeing what it done for others, the possibilities of what this game could actually do for me if, you know, I reach my full potential and treat the game right. Absolutely. So, um, we grew up in a house full of love, you know, and because of the fact, you know, I was doing my thing growing up in the ranks and going up in the ranks. My neighborhood kind of protected me because I represented my neighborhood. Yep. You know, um, there's a lot of people in there that, that, that are good people that their backs are against the wall because of situation, lack of education, lack of funds, no mm -hmm. job, job ain't paying a lot, you know, rent is high. So your backs are against the wall and you don't know what you would do till your back is against the wall to feed your child, to take care of your wife or take care of yourself. So when your back is against the wall, you're doing whatever you need to do is straight survival mode. And that's not the side of anybody you want to see because nothing good is going to come out of that more times than not. Yep. So they, you find people in situations where they just got to do what they got to do and the route that they're choosing is not necessarily a positive or productive route. But that's just the hand that's that dealt. Yo, man, listen, man. Shit is real, B. Mm. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't point my finger at anyone. I'm just grateful that 
um, I found a way. Yeah, absolutely. And then at what point did basketball kind of become that avenue for you? You said, obviously, you um, fell in love with it uh, when you started playing at school a little bit more seriously. When did it actually go, all right, I can actually be a pro at this? And when did that sort of start to gain some real good momentum for you? In high school. Yep. Um, I saw how many talented players were ahead of me, and I wasn't getting an opportunity, and I'm working my ass off, and I'm like, damn, I'm still not getting, you know, the look to really help me elevate whether, you know, the coach felt, you know, this guy was better. He's rolling with him yep. or whatever. But um, I knew if I ever get a right opportunity, I'm going to exceed expectations. And I knew that, look, I'm taking this ball and I'm going, this is the only thing I want to do with my life. Yep. I don't want to do nothing else. And I'm the kind of person that has a plan A mentality. So if I say something, it's going to happen. It might take longer. Mm. But it's going, I'm going to achieve the goal, whatever I set my mind to. To this day, that's just been my mindset and it's happened. Yep. Anything I've put my mind to, it's happened. So like in those days, what sort of reps were you doing in terms of training, in terms of everything else uh, outside of basketball to actually work on that, to make sure that you're ready for all those opportunities that, you know, would eventually come your way? Well, um, I just continuous, I just continuously played yep. every day. I kept playing. I kept working on the things I needed to work on. I started watching the players that were actually better than me and watch how they train. Mm-hmm. And I implemented what I needed to implement into my game where it fit my game and my style of play. And I put it into my game. And it was just a matter of, because again, New York, like this is the Mecca of basketball. You know, how many, so many good players. Why would you pick a guy that needs to develop in three, four years where yeah. you can get a guy good right now? Yep. So I fell behind that. I was a late bloomer mm-hmm. and I was angry and I was mad and I didn't understand. I understood that now because mm-hmm. I understand business more. Mm. Right. I understand business more. And obviously it's a correct business decision to get a guy who's good now. Yep. Why the fuck would I wait till wait for a guy that needs that to develop? Might, that might I'm not seven might not. foot. Yep. Right. That's a guy you wait to develop and you want to develop him. Yep. Right. Put him around really good players. He'll develop quicker. Mm. Well, what a guard? I'm a guard. Yeah. There's a million guards. That's mm. New York City. We're guards. We're guard heavy, yeah. right? We're guard orientated in the city. So I was just, I was so driven because I wasn't chosen. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that it went that way because that's something that stuck with me till this day. Yep. That drive. Drive and that motivation. And motivation. Yep. You know what I mean? And you gotta, you gotta really have that to excel and have that sort of passion like that to continue to drive through listen, like man. that. You really gotta have something deep Yo, down inside listen, that hits you. You gotta have that shit in you mm. because it sets you up for the real world. Because the real world don't give a fuck about you mm. or me. Yep. What's gonna separate us from them? Yep. That shit inside you. Yep. That dog. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you yeah. ain't got it, move out the way. You are gonna get ran over. But if you got it, you got a chance. Yeah. You got a big chance to be something so i'm just grateful that you know and i use these words a lot i use gratitude and i use grateful a lot because i truly am i understand how the universe works it doesn't have to be me Mm -hmm. there's a million there's not even a million there's a billion people who would love to be in my position right now yeah you know what i mean so i think of those people when i'm doing something that makes sure that i do the shit at the level. highest level to where it's like, I know you wish yep. you can be here, but you ain't getting this spot. Yep. I'm not fucking this up. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? 
So, you know, that, that, that type of perspective. And I wouldn't, I don't necessarily believe I would be like that if I didn't grow up and go have those experiences, those experiences at that young of an age, yep. because when it's just given to you, you don't really know hard work. You don't. Absolutely. Then when adversity hit, you fucked up because you never had to really work for anything hard in your life because it's been given to you. Absolutely. You feel I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. And how did you actually get the name Homicide Williams? Where did that start from? Well, great, um, great nickname. Like, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, when I graduated uni, I yep. went to Alabama State. I graduated and I didn't have a big name or a big rep, but I got better. Four years removed from high school, I'm not that same player. Yep. Right? I was just a role player in high school. So New York City remembered me as that guy, the mm -hmm. role player. Right? He ain't really that good. He just plays defense and passes the ball to the best player. Like, who is he? Who's Corey? Who's that? Four years later, I left New York, and I had a chip on my shoulder. And I knew how I wanted to develop. And I knew what I needed to do. How I needed to develop. I was in the weight room. Smashing it out. Yeah. Thinking about those players that were all better than me in New York throughout the state, the city. And I'm like, I'm going to catch them. And when I catch them, I'm going to kill them. Yeah. I'm going to destroy them. I don't care who they were. I remember in high school one day, vividly, we was in class and I said to a bunch of the hoopers, I said, yeah, y'all all going to, because I had to go to junior college first. I went to Penn Valley Community College, which is a two-year uni. Yep. Right? This route, this route that I had to go. It was difficult. Yo, listen. Serious business, man. Mm. You had to go to junior college. That's two years to prove you deserve to get to a four-year uni. That's, that's the grind off the rip. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Uni's hard enough. Never yo, mind having to do the pre-course before. What? <laughs> so I went there first year, got no playing time. We won the championship. <laughs> Second year, um, the new coach came in and said, we're going to give you the ball. Yep. What was that? Opportunity. That's all I wanted. And you've been doing the reps and you've been doing everything. I've been waiting on a coach. Just somebody to believe in me that actually has the decision-making power. To empower me. Yep. And now after that, the rest is on me. Showtime. We lost at the buzzer to the championship. We'd have won back-to-back -back championships in junior college. I was first team All-American, top five player in the country. I went from getting no burn to top five in the nation in JUCO. Right? I was division two JUCO. So again, late bloomer. I put up big numbers. I did everything at junior college in one year. And I went to, uh, I graduated there and went to Alabama State University and I figured I might as well go to, look, the reality is I'm not going to go to a big school. They recruit t blue chip talent. Yep. So it's already set up if you're young yep. to they, be in a they position. Already know. Yep. They already know. So why would I go there? I didn't even have a chance to go there, but if I did, why would I? And that would be not to a good sit move the bench? for you. Yeah. It's not productive. Mm. So let me go to a school where I feel I'm going to be able to get the ball, start, get minutes, and actually do my thing. My junior year, I went in, I averaged 16 points a game. So going into my senior year, I was predicted top five in our conference, Division One, And I'm like, all right, bet. If I just score two more baskets, that's 20 points a game. Yeah, and that's, that and that's right standing there, out on the sheet. Which I don't care <laughs> what school you at in Division One, You 20 a game. And we had a, a shit preseason. We were one of those schools when you're watching 
uh, non-conference schedule, like Duke would beat a team by 50 or 60. We were those teams, yep. right? So we just getting smashed and smashed. And we lost a couple of games in our conference. My coach sat our seniors down and said, I might as well get the freshmen and sophomores ready. That's how my senior year ended. Yep. He's like, man, y'all ain't giving me shit. I might as well get these young motherfuckers ready. That's how it went. Yep. That's how we went out. So I finished out averaging 10 points a game and graduated, and that was it. Mm. So lucky for me, I'm in my dorm. I always tell this part of the story because this is... This is when it gets real. I'm in the dorm, and I'm like reading Slam Magazine. That's a basketball Bible. Yep. And this publication is talking about streetball in New York City. So I say to myself, they're talking about all these big name, you know, streetball legends and blah, 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 and how, you know, scouts and coaches come to the park and, you know, giving scholarships away to some, some of these young talents and, you know, NBA scouts come to the park because there's so much talent there, blah, blah, blah. And I said to myself, well, I guess I got street ball. This is all I got left, and this is how I'm going to get a shot to the NBA. Guess I got to go kill street ball and get, get, straight, get, get a shot to the NBA. Yep. This is how I'm going to get a shot to the NBA. I'm going to go kill street ball. It's never happened before. Mm. They have never went to the park. It's like stuff out of movies. <laughs> this shit don't happen, but that's how naive I actually was. I didn't know any better, and I actually believed I can go to this park, <clears throat> destroy the competition, and all of a sudden, I'm going to get an NBA contract. And that was the mentality when I left school. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I knew that I wasn't the player that I was when I left New York. Yep. And that's how I left Alabama State and re-entered New York City. And let me tell you something. I wrote a list down. Preparation is power. I wrote a list down. And I had a hit list. I had a kill list. <laughs> Dead ass serious, bro. My that's life amazing. is on the line. My back against the wall. They don't see you coming. That's why you got to be on your shit. Because there's a homicide waiting out there for you. I left every tournament minimum 30 points. Every park I would go to, minimum. First game at Rucker Park, I had about 38, 37. They didn't know who I was. They're like, who is this guy? Yeah. The out name of kept then out of nowhere. The name kept kept getting harder and harder. It was like, this the hard worker. Man, he's killing them. Let's call him the killer. They was like, nah, that shit don't sound right. Then it was just like another bucket. <laughs> then it was like, let's call him the murderer. He's murdering them. Nah, let's not call him that. They was like, yo, what is his name? Yeah. Somebody's on the crowd was like, that's Corey Williams. They was like, all right, let's call him C murder. They was like, nah, that ain't the name. <laughs> yo, it, the buckets kept coming, so the conversation kept going. Yeah, of course. And the name had to start matching. And develop as it went. Yeah, yeah. So they finished the game. I finished the game, but my name's finished. The first game at Rucker Park, C Homicide. The next game at Rucker, I had, what, 35. They dropped a C, and that was, that was against the back-to-back defending champs. 
So they dropped the C and they just called me homicide since this 2000. Wow. That's how it started. So 23 years, man. Unreal. Still. You know what I mean? Amazing. Still. So and then was, when, when you're playing street ball like that, is it like five on five? Is it it's three five on three? Five. five on five the whole time. Five yeah. on five. Yeah, Organized ball. Like these tournaments are NBA sanctioned, NCAA sanctioned. That means they're insured. Yep. Your NBA players can come out there and play. Yeah, wow. College, all Americans, college superstars. So it's, it's proper organized. It's like, proper. As much as it's like, oh, yeah, street ball. Oh, no. It's oh, like no. It's proper, proper organized. Yeah. It's A grade basketball. Wow. At the highest level. So you're going to get NBA players coming out there. You're going to get overseas pros. Yep. You're going to get college pros. You're going to get high school All-Americans playing. Then you're going to get street ball players that are good enough to play pro, but they just did something messed up in their life, so it would never happen. Yep. Right? Dropped out of school. Maybe he was selling bad drugs. Decision, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Those type of bad decisions that killed their opportunity Cut, before that, yeah. it started. So you got a melting pot of so much talent. At any given moment in a park, you don't know who's showing up. Yep. Great basketball to watch. Absolutely. Great scene, a great scene to be a part of. So um, that's New York. Then you got fashion. You got models. You got actors. It's all happening. Yeah. You got, you know what I mean? Just the, you know I mean? We all culture. So, you know, you got the sneaker aficionados. Yep. Like you can't come up looking trash because the guy on the mic will talk bad about you, male or female. So you come in with your best on. Wow. You know, you've been to Paran Summer Jam before? No, I haven't. You heard about yeah, it? Yeah, I have heard it's about the it. the biggest yeah, yeah. streetball tournament in Australia. Yeah, you've been doing lots of promo for him. Well, yeah, like we, we, we do that in New York every day for yeah. the summer. It's insane. You know what I mean? Like. So as incredible as Paran Summer Jam is, because it is, I'm just trying to paint a picture. That that's every you know, day. Just that's every day, June, July, August. You know what I mean? Pretty like awesome. that's, that's what we do. Yeah, that's sick. So how did you actually, what was your first pro gig? How did, how did you get into some pro leagues? Oh, man. Because you played like all around yeah, the world, like proper all, all around the world. Yeah, man. Um, the first job that I had, you know, because just because you have a good summer doesn't mean things change. No, mm. you, you, you. It's like going up the ranks. You know what I mean? You're a nobody. So you got to get to the champ. How many people do you have to beat for him to even consider giving you a shot at the title? Right? Oh, hey. So I'm going up the ranks, man. And my first job playing basketball after college, I was on tour with the Globetrotters as a New York national. So let me explain to you people out there listening what this is. The New York Nationals is the team that loses to the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, the bad guys. The bad guys that, you know, they basically clown and make us look stupid. Yep. So I was a paid clown. You know what I mean? No disrespect, but it is what it is. Like, I, I'm an alumni of it, so I could talk about it. Yep. Um, I had nothing else. Why, why did you want to do that? Just because there wasn't any I other had nothing else. I didn't want to be home and sit down stagnant. I left my mother's house four years ago. Yep. Going to college. The last thing I wanted to do is go back to sit down and do what? Wait for what? Yep. What am I waiting on? Still playing the same. Who's coming to save the me? Same. Yep. Who's coming to say, hey, Corey, no, you're home at mom's doing nothing in the hood. Uh, come with us. Nobody knows me. Slow motion is better than no motion. So I'd rather be doing that and figuring out the next move. As long as I'm in motion, I know that my starting point ain't going to be my end result. Yep. I already knew that. It's just a matter of 
starting. And you just right. needed something new to go do to start to open gotta doors. Do something. And start you gotta do something. Things. Get off your ass and go figure this shit out. So that's what it was. Yep. And um, I happily did it. Um, I understood what I signed up for. I knew we wouldn't win any games. And I said to myself, look, make the best of this situation. And here's what we're going to do. You're on the West Coast tour. You're a kid from the East Coast. You've never been to the West Coast. So with this opportunity, you're hitting all of those cities in the West Coast that you just knew audience been before. For yeah. So like, just enjoy this tour. And when it's done, try to jump into the minor leagues. And that's exactly what happened. I jumped into the minor leagues and had an opportunity to hoop. And I averaged 20, four rebounds, four assists. Nice. Good numbers Solid. for a legitimate pro league called the USBL, which was kind of like a short version of the G League before the, before the G happened, League yeah. and all of that stuff. So I did that, and that showed people that, okay, I needed stats and I needed film. I needed to let people know I can actually play. Like, I'm some, you know, hello, this, I'm Corey Williams, you know, here's some and I'm here. stats. Yeah. Like, I, I'd love an opportunity to play anywhere professionally. So I got a shot to play in Dominican Republic, and I knew that, for me, I said, as a guard, you got to average 20 points, four rebounds, four assists to have a shot. If they don't know you, those are respectable numbers for a guard. And I'm like, this should be able to get me playing in some professional league. After I left DR, I then went to Brazil mm -hmm. and I got a full one year contract to play there, and I averaged kind of like those same numbers, 18, something like that. It was a pretty strong league in Brazil as well. Huh? It was a it was a really good league when I played there. Nene Hilario played there. Leandrino Barbosa had played. Like, it was a really, really good league, but it's South America. It's not going to be yep. it ain't Europe, right? Yep. I didn't care. Like, I'm in motion, right? Yep. So that's just when it started, and it was a lot. It was been a long journey since then, but um, it got better and better. But the thing that really helped me, was streetball because our team at Rucker Park, we played on NBA TV. Mm -hmm. So it got me global recognition. People knew who Homicide was. People didn't know who Corey Williams was. So because of NBA TV and Rucker Park, um, we got maximum exposure for that. So the thing that would separate me from a lot of other people is my goal with streetball I wanted to match up against the NBA players. Mm -hmm. So it was just a matter of if I got a chance to play against them, if they're playing against with the team I'm playing against, yep. this would be an opportunity for, for people me. To, because people are tuning in there and watching. And, yep. There you go. So it was just a matter of like, like if I give a street ball player 30 points or 40 points, who cares? Like you're a street ball player. Like you're not playing anywhere special. If that's the case. I'm supposed to do that to you. Yep. You ain't nobody in this world, like impressive, right? You mm -hmm. haven't done anything great for me to lean on that and leverage that. Yep. This is what I remember. I'm trying to get out of street ball to leverage this platform yes. to show other agents and teams. I'm actually a legitimate player, right? And who better to play against than an NBA player to show people, yep. give your agent more ammunition to leverage. For sure that I can play on another level. And then like nowadays that, you know, there's so much exposure with, you know, social media, uh, everything that goes on with covering games and that sort of thing. 
what big of a difference would that have made for opportunities for you? Do you reckon back in back in when you're going up through? No, for sure, it would have been a whole it would have been a whole different ball game. What would you have done if you've got like if you're a fresh fresh player right now, same situation, playing street ball? What would be your strategy? What would you do? I would do the same thing that I did. Mm-hmm. I would have a camera with me at all times, and I would just go to different parks. And I would go to the best, not different parks. I would go, yeah, I would go to the best streetball tournaments like I was doing and destroy the best players. But we have the footage and we could immediately put it up. Yep. Back in those days, it was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, Hamo just gave homeboy 40. You know what I mean? Like yep. he just had 35 on such and such. And that, that word of mouth spread, that's a lot harder to do than just, you know, just keep chucking some stuff up but to Correct. get some eyes on you. That's actually really hard to get that sort of reputation actually going. Definitely. But, um, you know, it is what it is, man. We had a great run with it. Um, I ended up, funny enough, I ended up getting a shot to the NBA from Streetball. The actual thing that I said. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> the actual thing. Like really and truly like, I'm kind of like the true definition of the movie Hustle. You know what I mean? I just like low key, like I am like kind of like yeah. That was the, the whole story movie of Hustle. But uh, yeah, man, we had a we had a great run. You know, we had a great run. We had a shot to the league. I had a shot with Toronto. Um, we did preseason all eight games. Didn't stick, and um, it was a long shot, but it was a shot. And I was like, that that shot changed everything for me because here's how I looked at it. Like, I'm a realist. If I don't make the league, I now have, I was at NBA camp. I went preseason. I had played eight games. I averaged maybe five, three, experience, whatever. Experience, experience, experience. Now, leverage that to get a good job overseas. Yep. I don't lose. Yep. You get me? Coming from where it begins, it's all a win. Yep. Is it not? No, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just leveling up it's, each time. There's no bad situation that no comes ba- from that. It's all a win. Because at this point, it's like when you overseas and you're a GM, you are more attractive if you got waived from the league because they're like, he has NBA experience. Yep. Okay, so now it's about your agent putting you in the right country and the right team and you'll have the ball and your style of play matches the league style of play and the team style of play. That's putting you in a great position to win. Yeah, definitely. And then going to your NBA um, experience and opportunities, where, where did you go? Who'd you try out for? Toronto. Toronto. I went to Toronto yeah. first and they had a 15 man roster. They bring you in. They had a player named Alvin Williams who was who was fucking he was dope. Yep. Alvin, Alvin Williams was dope. He hadn't played in the last three years, two years I think, maybe maybe two years, year and a half, because he had bone on bone damage with his knee, mm-hmm. so they weren't sure if he was able to play. So they brought in three point guards, and one of these three point guards, if doctor said he's not able to play, will get the spot. Yep. So two point guards. One was an NBA vet, Robert Pack. The other one was. Uh, uh, he was dope. T.A. Brown, dead nice. Um, played in the NBA for a couple of years. Then you got me. So the coach that came to watch me play at the park, he went to bat and was like, I'm telling you. This is the guy. Put homicide in front of whoever. He going to bust their ass. So I'm sure they were like, you know what? Let's bring this guy up here because we want egg on your face. Yeah. Brought me up. 
both of these guys get cut, and I'm up there by myself out of those three point wow. guards. So I'm like, the game that saved me, we played against New Jersey Nets. We down 10 points with five minutes left. This one, Vince Carter just got traded to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a guy named Lamont Mur- Lamont Murray who was with Toronto as well in the offseason. He said, if y'all stupid enough to trade Vince, trade me too. So they traded him and he went to New Jersey too. So with five minutes left, we ain't, yo, I ain't play all game. The three point guards have not played all game, but they need to make cuts. You can feel it in the air. It's coming. Yeah. And I ain't really play pretty, I ain't play well with the minutes that they gave me. Right. So I'm like, fuck. We lose this game. They might be cutting everybody, mm. right? Call a timeout. They put us three in. So I'm like, all right, cool. Oh, my God. You've been sitting there all game just cold. <laughs> so uh, yo, I'm telling you, as a free agent trying to make a team, people don't know how hard this thing yeah, is, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, fuck. All right, cool. Calls our numbers. I'm like, it's three of us in there. Like, we're all point guards. Like, how are we going to do this? So I'm like, I'm not going to. Like we all step. run into yeah. the ball to take the ball out. Like we all run to bring it up. So let me just run up the sideline and just get on the wing. As soon as we run up the sideline and get on the wing, coach calls another timeout. I'm like, yo, he just called a timeout. What's he going to say again? He said, whoever the fuck Lamar Murray's guarding, give him the fucking ball. God was with me. Yeah. <laughs> because Lamar Murray was guarding me. Oh, so good. So he called this one play. Like five consecutive times. So I'm like, I'm feeling like Thanks not only much. the man, <laughs> but I'm feeling like I'm in the park because I'm getting my play call for me. Yeah, I got the ball. Yep. Lamar Murray's like six seven, six eight. I'm six three. He can't guard me. I'm a point guard. He's like a three four. Can't guard me. So I'm just hesitation between legs to the rack. Kick it. Charlie hits the three. Down seven. Come back, they miss. Get the ball again. Go to the rack. Get fouled. Free throw, I split them. We down six. Long story short, we not only go to overtime, we win. Oh, <laughs> so good. Oh, that is awesome. We don't not just go to. We win the game. I take the game winning charge. Oh, I finished that game. Ten, what, 11 points? We had 11 points, like three assists, three steals. like Just numbers. Three, yeah, solid two, game. Three three rebounds in five in nine minutes. Oh, that's great stats, that dude! <laughs> that's the awesome. next morning, like what that did to me for me was, it just let me know that it it, it validated what I thought I could play in this league. Yep. You know what I mean? It was just your moment. Like, you go, I am actually at that level. I could that play validation here. for yourself. Yeah. It self validation. Yep. The next day, I go to practice because I always was saying, I'm going to be, this opportunity is once in a lifetime. I'm going to be the first player in the gym and the last one to leave. All the time. Every day. I have to maximize this opportunity to know if it does not work, I know I did everything I could do. I get up early in the morning the next day. What happens? Tierra Brown closet. Emptied. Robert Pack. Closet. Emptied. I said, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> shit. Not only the game saved my ass, like, am I making this team? <laughs> I was like, Corey, calm down. Take your ass upstairs on the shooting machine. So I get up. I get there. And um, Alvin Williams, like, he was just still trying to play. 
and his knees was fucked up, but he still, they had money on his Invested. contract yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. So um, long story short, a um, couple more preseason games, doctor said he was able to play, and that's how I didn't make the team. Yeah, right. So, so I did, walked away happy, man. Yeah, so I was going to say, well, that, you can either go two ways with that because you're like, oh, you know, that you're down with that. But like he said, that was just you making the most of that opportunity to then leverage that to your next opportunity. There you go. Yeah. And I knew I walked away happy because I knew it wasn't because I wasn't good enough. Yep. And that, man, that, that did wonders for me. Absolutely. You know, that, that did wonders for me. So then how did you end up in Australia playing in the, in the NBL? Because that was, uh, well, I'm sure you've three, had Three, four years three, later. So yep. what happened was, what happened was, I then, you know, like, the NBA is a drug, mm. okay? For a guy like me, I was trying to get, get the back 15th yeah. spot I'm trying to get. Yeah. Forget the starting spot or playing rotation. Just want to get, get on the I'm roster. just trying to get on. Mm. It was a drug. Like, I didn't hear the word no for a month. Then I remember I coming back and... um. My ex-wife at the time, I might have jumped in the car when she picked me up from the airport. And I don't know what occurred, but she said no. And like reality hit me. I was like, fuck, I'm not there anymore. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I just heard the word no. Oh my God, what is this? This is real life again. I don't want to be here. Like I need that fix. I need the fix again. I need the fix. So you start chasing, yo, it's, it's a drug. Because that's a high that you cannot explain. Because you build that up. I mean, the whole time yo. that's been the driving motivation and then you get just that little taste. Yo, of it you then- get that taste? Man, it, it, it does something to you. So anyway, I, with that, I'm like, yo, I had offers overseas and I'm like, nah, I'm close. I'm going back to the minor league. Yep. Went to the minor <laughs> league. I'm like, yo, I'm because it's yeah, out I'm of sight, out of mind. Like yeah. if you go overseas, like why would they go get you? Yep. They can go get a guy in the minor league. So you need to be in the minor league. I went to the minor league. I did pretty good. Didn't get a call up, which I didn't get a 10-day offer. But I got uh, went to summer league and did that whole circuit. Then I got I went I signed to go to Denver, Denver for training camp preseason. Mm-hmm. Then I got cut. They were stacked. There's no way I was making that team. They were they were stacked. They were stacked. I think they went to they lost to Kobe to go to the finals, the conference finals that year. They was they was they were superstars. Yeah, superstars. Um, then I went to the minor league and we won the championship, the D league championship starting point guard. We won the championship and then I went to summer league again and then I'm like, yo, I can't chase this shit no more. Now it's time to go overseas and find a really good situation because the last two years, what does the resume look like now? You know what I mean? It's looking pretty good. They're we a long way right? from the fucking Globetrotters. <laughs> yeah. You know that's, what I mean? That's not even on the list That anymore. ain't even on the list. <laughs> right? We got NBA, t- Toronto Raptors, minor league, summer and the league. stats to back it up to. NBA, Denver Nuggets, minor league, summer league. Now, that's a guy on the cusp. That's a guy that can get a good job playing international ball. Yep. I don't care where I play. I was a basketball mercenary. Let me go play ball and pay me. I don't care where I go. Let me go play ball and pay me. So my agent is like, look, I think you'll do really well in Australia. New Yorkers, East Coast guys do really well down there. And it's free-flowing type of play, West Coast offense, you know, running gun style. And that suits you perfect. Jump shot was not my sweet spot. 
I was not a shooter. So I needed a, a league and I needed a team that would give me the ball and we could play like this. Yep. NBL fit perfect. And you know that story. And that's it. Yeah. And then 2010, you're the league MVP. What was that season <laughs> like for you? Because I imagine like from everything that you're saying, it's been jumping around to all these, you know, opportunities. And this is probably, you know, a great league that you're playing in at the time and probably the best opportunity, most minutes that you've got. What was that like for you in terms of your confidence and, um, you know, just self self um, belief, I guess, that you could uh, really hold your own in a pro league? I think I'm a backup. Let's go my first year in the NBL. Um, I played five games with the Crocs. My first five games, they offered me a two-year extension. So the great thing about that, um, I accepted it at the in the offseason because I went to, after I left the NBL year one, I went to a EuroLeague team in uh, Croatia yep. called Sabona. And the great thing about Coming back to the NBL, you had a club that actually appreciated and supported the value that you bring. That you were there. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and being used the way that you want to be used on the court, I'm yo, sure. Yo, listen, well. man, like, it's a dirty game. Um, Should chew you up and spit you out. It's a dirty game. And um, it's rare where you have a situation when a club wants to give you a multi-year deal. And there's no Townsville Crocs. There's no Corey Williams. And what people don't know is Scott Fisher hit me up all the time, and I verbally agreed to sign with the Perth Wildcats. Wow, did you actually? Yeah, I did. Wow. They had Rashad Phillips there, and it wasn't working out. And Scott Fisher was like, we want you, we want you. And I was like, all right. And he was, you know, he was recruiting me actively the last couple of years, but I kept going to. Townsville. No, I kept going to the the minor league. Yeah. Like he was was recruiting me for a while. So this was beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the year, um, the first team that I verbally agreed to go to was Perth. But he said that what we have to do, he has to talk to the board, let them know, you know, Perth Wildcats, they do things, you know. Their way. Yep. Their way, right? And I'm saying to myself, the next day, Trevor Gleason called my agent and was like, yo, we want you for the same amount of money. So I'm saying to myself, I know Rashad Phillips enough to know we got that same style of play. If he's not working out there, why would I work out there? Yep. And if this team, the Crocs, is offering me the same amount of money and I can go tomorrow, mm. why would I wait? For Perth to make a decision on bringing me in. Yep. I guess I'll go with Townsville. Definitely. Well, you want to go somewhere where you actually feel wanted and it's like they're jumping at the opportunity to have you on the team. Correct. And the great Trevor Gleason was the coach. Yep. My guy. And um, that's the beginning of Australia. Yes. That's what people don't know. Yeah, there you go. I didn't know yeah, that. That's so yeah, interesting. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Perth Cats, Perth Wildcats, you almost had me. <laughs> you almost had me. I reckon so many less headlines would have oh been about, about the Perth Wildcats uh, for years after. No, that's awesome. So, uh, you're such a fierce competitor uh, on and off the court. Have you got any real good, like, you know, trash talking stories or great one-on-one matchups that you had with any players of any league, like at, around the world, because you played all over the place? Man. 
I used to trash talk everybody in the NBL. <laughs> in the NBL, I was trash talking. I was a menace out here. I really, really was. I would do things like the day before the game, the reporters would come to me and ask me. They would ask me, say, hey, Corey, big game tomorrow. You know, you play this team tomorrow. Um, what's your thoughts? I'm like, what do you mean what's your thoughts? We're going to win. <laughs> going to drop about 25 and whoever's guarding me can't. And we're going to win. I would say things like that. The day before the game. Yeah, and then probably at the time, there probably wasn't that many other players that were doing that as well. So, Oh, my goodness. I was a menace. But I also, there was a method to my madness. I'm a thinking man. I understand sports and entertainment. Sports to take care of itself. Entertainment is what puts bums in seats. That's just the reality of it. And those yep. who get it, get it. Right. And not every game I'm going to win and outplay the opponent. But as long as you win more than you lose, you are right. And I was obviously capable of ensuring that we could have done that. And we did that. Right. Yeah. That made me the guy you love to hate, but you would watch. Yep. And I understood that. Absolutely. I understood that. So I would play to that. For example, here's what I would do. Would you play? So it's like almost you're playing up to that character that you needed to be a little bit. Correct. Mm. Everybody loves the villain, mm. right? You come to watch me lose or win. If I'm coming to the Challenge Stadium, you coming to watch me. Oh, yeah. 100%. You want me to lose. You want to taunt me. You want to talk trash to me. But here's the stuff I would do. I would do things like, let's say it's a layup line, right? Pre-game, we're on a layup line. I see the fans coming to sit, you know, yeah, courtside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I say, hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm like, who you coming to watch today? And we coming to watch our team. I say, oh, yeah, who's your favorite player? They'll say somebody. I say, all right, cool. I'm going to bust his ass. And every time I score, I'm going to wink at you. Watch this shit. What have I just done? I've just engaged fans. Yep. Whether I win or lose that game, they're going to remember those type of moments. Definitely. You know what I mean? That type of engagement. That interaction. I was yeah. doing shit like that. Like just all the time. You're probably just all the time. You're probably having to wink at everybody. You're going, hang on, I forgot who I said that to. So, you know, um, we had fun with it. Russell Crowe, one of my favorite actors in Gladiator, one of my favorite movies. When he was a slave and he had to fight. He said to the guy, I forgot the guy's name, who would bring him from town to town. He said to him, because he used to be a gladiator. Yes. That's how he got free. And the whole thing was, it was like, how do you get free? And he was like, win the crowd, you win the freedom. Win the crowd, you win your freedom. That never left me. I kept that everywhere I went because I knew if you could hoop, hooping is hooping. There's plenty of guys that could hoop. There's plenty of guys that it could, could entertain, but there's few guys that can do both. Yep. And those are the ones that actually excel in their lane. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I was just always, um, I never forgot that. I was like, yo, every country I go to, I'm going to ensure I'm able to put on a show. 
Hey, Legends, quick little break in the podcast here just to say thank you so much to all the regular listeners that have been tuning on in and listening to the Fat Chat podcast so far. All the messages, all the feedback, everybody getting around the posts and pod has been awesome and I really, really appreciate it and I can't wait to keep bringing episodes. We've actually got a couple of uh, new exciting things happening in the next couple of weeks, uh, so uh, stay tuned for uh, some of the episodes that we've got. They're going to be bloody awesome. If you haven't already, just a reminder, if you don't mind following or subscribing, literally takes you two seconds and leaving a five-star review on any of the streaming platforms that you're listening on just goes a long way into getting more guests on the pod and I really really appreciate it also if you want to know any more about my personal training services I've literally just finished this week it's gone live my new online platform uh, at www.bodymagic.fit it is everything that you need health and fitness and it's not just giving you a meal plan it's not just giving you a workout program and sending you on your way it's a fully customized personalized experience where you're working one-on-one with me or another body magic coach to achieve your goals. We're not really about just giving you a one-size-fits-all program. What we want to do is work out what's going to actually work for you. What can we change with all your daily habits? What can we do in terms of your routine and what we can change about it? And just making a a little step-by-step process. We're not doing a big overhaul on uh, your whole lifestyle and life. We just want to see what we can do just to tick a few extra boxes each week and just get that 1% better each and every day. So I would love to have you as part of it. We've actually got a uh, pretty exciting announcement happening uh, on uh, the Back Chat and and Fat Chat podcast uh, coming up over the next few weeks of uh, how you can really get involved with that. but uh, stay tuned. But if you want to know any more about those services at any point, if you're listening to this episode in, um, you know, in a few weeks' time uh, or, or whatever, head over to www.bodymagic.fit. I'd love to have you as part of the online Body Magic community and uh, achieve some great things with you. But anyway, back to the pod with Corey. Here we go. Massive part of uh, the Fat Chat podcast is talking about everything performance. So like whether that's on the court stuff, uh, performing in, you know, that person's sport, but it's also talking about, you know, mindset and habits that were built over that period of time and how you became so successful. So you played all around the world. I'm sure there, there was times where you really had to go away and work on either particular skills or your body or mentality or whatever that might be. Do you want to share a couple of, you know, your experiences from that and how you were able to overcome it and what sort of reps you're putting in well i think my biggest mentality um was make it through the season it is it is a cutthroat lifestyle this in this this profession this industry um you're not guaranteed your position it's performance based yep so if you don't put on you put yourself at risk to being fired, being replaced. And my whole mantra was, I ain't going home early. I'm not going to be the guy that's like, damn, dude, like we're used to seeing you like you're not usually in here May. This time. Yeah. Like you're not usually here this time. What happened? Then it's like, oh, you know, the coach was on some bullshit. Nah, you didn't perform. And that makes it harder for your agent to replace you with another position, yeah. right? Another situation. And remember, I was never the favorite. I was always the underdog. So mm-hmm. I'm going into these situations like, look, every game, you got to kill or else. So it was really my biggest motivation was fear, mm-hmm. fear of being fired. So I always wanted to make sure that my mind was sharp, my body was sharp, and I was ready to play. There was times I was scared. Was there times that you got close to being, you know, fired away from no, a team? Of course, of course. There was times I was I got close. 
Um, sometimes you're not winning games and, you know, the numbers aren't where they should be. And, you know, you just got to look in the mirror, man. You got to look in the mirror and say, oh, listen, man, like, this mortgage is due. Mm. You know what I mean? Tuition is due. <laughs> These car notes is is due. There's a nanny. That's <laughs> this money's due. She's got a handout. She's got you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. so, get your shit together, or it could be all finished. There was times there were some opponents that they were they were greater than me. They were greater than me, and I had to talk to myself in the mirror and tell myself. I'm going to bust his ass today to put myself in that mindset to go destroy. And if I didn't destroy, we would make, we would break even, you know yep. what I'm saying? Like that was just my whole thing because you can't be out there getting embarrassed, man. Your job is on the line. Yep. So there wasn't really anything performance wise extra I'm doing. I'm doing the shit that I need to do. Mm. It's all mental. Yep. The game is played 90% from the neck up. You could be in the best shape ever, but if your mental ain't right, the fuck are you? Mm. What are you? You're nothing. You know what I mean? Yep. How many guys you see ready to go looking like this? No, 90% from the neck up ain't shit going on. Goodbye, next. Mm. So I'd rather be a mental warrior and mentally sharp and be able to beat you with these other aspects as opposed to this one lane. You know what I mean? Physically looking right. That ain't it, B. I'm testing your mental to see where you're really at. So... I would approach games. I was a mental warrior. Yeah. And do you think it's just from all those experiences growing up? Everything. That's, that's, that's hard in you to have that mentality? Straight up. Yep. Straight up. I ain't going back. I ain't going home. And it's only up from here. There's some battles I'm going to lose. And I lost a lot. I just won at the right times. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I lost a lot. Losses come with this. You know what I mean? Just wins and losses. That's, that's life. That's sport. You know? But... um just one at the right times you know I would be in situations where if, if I play for I would go why I was able to play 15 years why was I able to play 15 years this is something that I've never even spoken about without a jump shot yep I was not a guy that you know got him at the three heavy like I, I did not stretch the floor in that way I had to play around shooters because I was a driver so how was I able to play 15 years in all these countries all over the place? What I did was I made sure we picked out clubs to play for that wasn't the top team, that wasn't the bottom tier. You get the one in the middle, those, the, the right one in the middle that match your style of play, that'll give you the ball and allow you to dictate shit. Then here's the play. Mm. The teams above you, you're supposed to lose to anyway because they got the bigger budget, they got the better players. What you want to do is play the best you can possibly play and do not get embarrassed. Don't get blown out by 30. Keep it close, go hard, put your numbers up. The lower teams, you cannot lose to because that's embarrassing. You lose to a team half your budget. They, they ain't even supposed to be on your level, right? So make sure you win those games. And those middle tier teams that's on your level, let's say you split and break even, yep. that's fine. But that's that was the key. You if you may you might be able to beat some of the big teams on a good night, right? You might have a night where Crocs versus Perth. You know what I mean? An yep. upset. Well, that's a bonus for you. Yep. Because you did something better than what the team expected, right? Yep. You um 
exceeded their expectations and make playoffs. The average that I always wanted to average was 20 points, 16 to 20, depending on the league you're in. If you can average 24, 25 and five, those numbers with the formula that I just gave you, yep. there's no way you don't keep a job. Absolutely. Yep. So no way just, you don't keep a job. And it's just so much about consistency and consistently just performing, performing, performing. That's it. You do that. That is a formula for a player to play overseas for that much years. And then find a team that has shooters around you. You don't have to be the best shooter. Just have two wing players that are guns. What's going to happen with the defense? The defense has to defend them. What does that do? Open up the court. You got to be able to beat your player off, off the dribble one-on-one when you got that much space to work with. Yep. You know what I mean? You're going to get to the spaces you got to get to. Yep. And that's how you had to break the, break the whole thing down. Absolutely. And like everybody that I've spoken to, high performance person, um, is uh, always talking about, you know, the habits and the habitual things that you're doing. And it sounds like that probably unknowing, well, knowing as well, that that was just a habit that you created of, all right, cool, making oh, I sure knew. that you knew, getting that consistency, oh, picking I knew. the right teams, following the plan. I had a formula. I had a blueprint. Yep. You know what I mean? I had a blueprint. There's no way I should have played 15 years professionally, regardless of what country I'm in with no jump shot. Yo, I, I played till 38. 38. Mm. And I retired because I transitioned into doing what I currently do today. I got yes. the offer to commentate. I wanted to leave basketball at 40, playing at 40. That was my goal. But um, this incredible opportunity came across my lap, and there was no way um, I wasn't going to pivot. Absolutely. And transition. Absolutely. And one more before we go into everything outside the game and that transition. Say like in, in a game situation, for example, you know, you're not quite hitting your shots. You know, you, you're finding yourself in a bit of a rut. You can't quite get out of it. What would you work on or what would you do during a game to get that confidence back up and have that sort of next play mentality that you've really spoken about throughout the whole pod so far? So what I would do is I would always ensure that my teammates were a bit involved. Mm. So it wasn't like I needed to always rely Perform, yeah. on me. Because, you know, listen, at the end of the day, you're going to have bad games. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's just the sport. Hello? So it, it was just more like rely. It's a team sport. I can't do it by myself. So rely on my teammates. And, you know, whoever's rolling, that's who we're rolling with until, you know, I could probably ch get some chippies or some easy ones going and try to get back into it. But... I mean, if it's your night, we rolling with you. We calling your play. Yep. You know what I mean? If it's his night, we calling your play too. So that's what we would do. And Didn't always have to be the hero in every situation. Ah, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And then going from uh, post-basketball career, tell us about everything that you've been up to because you've got businesses going. You've, you're involved with Foot Locker, the NBL that's just, you know, improved and um, uh, the, the viewership of it has absolutely gone through the roof and it's been through the – all the work from yourself and all the other people uh, involved in it at the moment. Tell us about everything uh, post-game and what you've been up to. Man. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Um, you know, to get to where you're trying to get to, you got to put in the work because I'm starting from scratch. Basketball, me as a player, game is over. So it's now time to... <laughs> Who are you after the game, Right. Who are you? I have to now show people I have to morph right in front of your eyes into something different. It's like rebranding, remarketing, right? That's what I'm doing. Yep. Showing people that um, I have the intelligence and I'm articulate enough to 
transfer information a different way to a view viewers and audience and um, as well as keep you entertained and engaged. And that's what we're doing now. That's what I'm doing. Absolutely. I think I've heard you say in another interview somewhere, everybody gets their 15 minutes, but then it's about everything else that you do after. Yeah. Um, we all get 15 minutes of fame. That's what I call it. But mm. what I'm saying is at some point, we're all going to get an opportunity at something. You got to recognize the opportunity and be able to um, capitalize on it. Not just see it and recognize it, but grab it and capitalize on it and turn it into something bigger. Yep. And the ones that can do it are the ones that are um, have longevity in the business or in life or have success. Yep. And the ones that can't, well, they don't. That's that's it. Yep. They ain't no other way around it. You know what I mean? That that's what it is. You know, um, I had to um re what's the word I'm looking for? Not re-identify, reincarnate. Um can't think of the word right now. But I had to I had to morph into something different. Yep. You know, I had to show another side of who Corey Williams actually is and who he can be or who he could be. Prove it to myself, prove it to others. You know, um, I do work for a, a company, right? I, I work for a brand. And, you know, the name of the game is you got to add value, right? Unless you want you, you want to keep your job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, give us the value, give us the goods, and you get to go. So um, the greatest, the great thing about what I'm doing is I can do it with my eyes closed. Yep. I played in the league, so I have credibility as a league MVP. And with the experience that I've had in the league, and, you know, I'm an opinion giver. I'm going, I'm a New Yorker. I'm going to tell you straight up, you know <laughs> scared it. Of you know, that. I ain't, listen, <laughs> we don't duck no smoke, you know, from whoever, <laughs> you know, so... And we, we, we keep it entertaining. You know what I mean? So whether you love what I'm saying or you hate what I'm saying. You're listening. You're listening. <laughs> you know? So that's uh that's the entertaining aspect of it. Absolutely. And then how much like crossover from all the uh, things that you've learned throughout your basketball career has then made it so much easier for that trend, not easier, but help with that transition into everything you're doing now, business-wise, commentating-wise, personality, media-wise, everything. So... The, the best uh, thing that's ha- helped me the best to prepare for what I'm doing today is, is, is really streetball. And it's not really the basketball aspect of it. It was everything that I was having um, happen for me. My situation was pretty unique. Um, for example... I had three magazine covers, right? I had my own sneaker, signature sneaker. I was balling in my own sneaker that was sold in Foot Locker International. That's awesome. I got MVP of the league balling in my own shoe. Like how many players that played overseas can say that? I don't know any. Probably one, my man Rick Apodaca, right? Like we literally had our own signature shoe Sold in Foot Locker, getting royalties. That's like having where you see the Mellows, yep. Jordans. It's a big deal. Like, yeah, that, 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 that opportunity it, has to come around huge. often. Mm. So I had media and press all the time 
in my face because I was regarded as one of the best streetball players in the world as well. So these brands I had who employed me and, and endorsed me, we had media runs. I had cameras in my face all the time, which means what? I was a natural yep. doing what I'm doing today. Just it's nothing reps, new. Yeah. What'd you say? Putting in the reps. Correct. Without even knowing it. Yep. You know how many people are nervous when this camera yeah. and that dot is red? I've had people on this trip that I've been doing podcasts with that sat in the same chair that you Dude, can tell like, that they're nervous. Like, like, you know. Know. It's like, now imagine, this is a podcast. Imagine talking to millions of viewers. Yep. Live. Mm. Any one mistake, it could be over for you. In this cancel culture, yep. you got to watch what you, like, that's not easy to do. Mm. But, you know, it's, my life's been like that. So it has allowed me to be this comfortable doing it. Yep. You know? So yeah, putting in the reps for many, many years. I was going to say, because it's hard to do that with, like, the culture that it is with social media, putting your opinions out. Is that much backlash that just things get blown out? Of, have you had anything that's, like, been blown out hell big that you had to deal with at any point? Course. <laughs> <laughs> Come me, on, man. Tell me. You can't have an opinion <laughs> like I have. Yeah, yeah. You can't have an opinion like I have. And no backlashes. Come. Come on, man. <laughs> of course. Well, tell me. Tell me what apologize a couple of times, you know. I mean, when you write, you write, you're wrong, you're wrong. That's the thing with your opinion. I mean, there's nothing that I was gonna get fired over, but you know, I did toe the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Yo, listen, at the end of the day, you know, there's just, you know, trust me, I've, I've, I've been, been there. <laughs> I have been there. There's a place called Level 16 on 10 Queens Road. You do not want to be up there if you are on the wrong side of saying a bad comment. Let me tell you, I've averaged one of those a year. <laughs> well, one's pretty good. Those stats are not bad. Depending on what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I look at it like, well, it's one a year. Like, we're doing That's pretty good. good. That's pretty but, good. I'm man, saying a lot of stuff. <laughs> man, listen. You don't want to go to level 16. That's a big man's floor. You do not want to go to Latin. Listen, Larry, like, hey, Corey, how you doing? Like I'm good. What's going on? He's like, uh, got a minute today? Come upstairs, level sixteen. I'll be like, yeah. Oh no! Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I'm oh, in trouble. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, like, your docu- it's been good. Uh, your docu series that you've uh, got on right now. Tell us a bit about that and what uh, what that's covering. Um, and tell tell everyone that hasn't uh, seen it thus far. Ah, oh, man. Um. No, no, off season for me is where I like to be, I won't say busiest, but busy. Yep. I feel like, I always look at things like, the name of the game is adding value. Don't ever forget that. If you add value, right? If you add value, your stock will be high. People will be interested in your services. You then will have options. When you have options, you then will have leverage. Right? Yep. If you ain't adding value and you ain't got shit going on, you will lose leverage. So the way I look at it is this. If if I'm employed by you. Mm-hmm. And during the time I work for you, I got a lot going on. 
And as soon as my time with you for the year is finished, I got nothing going on. And it's time to negotiate. How do you look at me? I tell you how I'd look at you. I'd look at you and say, well, you ain't got nothing going on. How busy you are and all that. So how could you demand I pay you X? Because from the way I look at it is like, if I don't, if you're not on my platform, you're not really popping. So you need me to stay relevant. Yep. Here's $2. And I should give you 10. Yep. Now imagine if you were really busy in the off season during the time I'm not working with you. You're more attractive. Absolutely. Can't give you two. Might have to give you 15. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take it upon myself every year, not just this year, every year I'm always doing something more. Yep. Because if COVID didn't teach anybody anything else, one stream ain't it. Unless you're an NBA, AFL or something like that. Like one stream of income. It's not enough. Yeah. That ain't enough. So you got to keep shit going. Um, I dropped a docuseries. I shot it maybe a year and a half ago. Yep. And it's really on my life out here and um, things I have going on outside of the game. I call it. Mastering the pivot, life after the game. That's what I call it. So I just wanted to show people. The transition um, of. The transition of, you know, sport is done. You know, what am I doing today? My mindset, how I'm thinking. It's kind of like a podcast. Yep. But. Visual flow. A visual flow of actually what I am actually doing. And um, it's been fun. You know, episode one I dropped was me. You know, just going to the gym and preparing um, for the day and why I wake up early and why it's important to win the day. Yep. And um, insecurities that I have and just, you know, living out here and and trying to create um, a life after the game. And, you know, me having respect for immigrants. Because Australia don't know me shit. You want a life after after this? Well, you got a job. It. It's on you. Yep. Sink or swim. We don't give a fuck. Like, that's the life of an immigrant. Yep. So it's on me what I do to extend my 15 minutes. Absolutely. It's on me. So create those opportunities. You got to create opportunities. So um, episode, it's, it's seven episodes I'm dropping, season one. Yep. I'll start shooting season two. Um, July. Yep. Really excited for that. Each episode shows me doing something different. And this is also, a, it's a promotional piece. Like mm-hmm. I don't have a sponsor for it or anything like that, but it's showing people more than me just being a commentator, a broadcaster. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. It's a, it's fun. Um, yeah, it, it, it it's, it's something that uh, I executive produce. You know, I didn't have anybody sponsor me. I put the money up. I got yep. the cameraman. We kept it raw. I wanted you to really feel and connect yep. um, with what you're watching and just how I think. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. I can't wait to watch yeah, it. Thanks, well, I've already man. watched the ones that are out so far and they're so great. Yeah, so thanks, man. Make sure we link it up for all of these yeah, and get as many viewers uh, as we can over. Yeah, for sure, man. It's um it's on it's it's in the link of all my social media platforms, the page, and I, I did a brand new YouTube page and you know, like I'm not putting money behind it to like boost it. Like it's just, just all, that project to get out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all, man. That's all. And um I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with what I'm doing. And right now, there's a dead period. There's nothing really happening as far as basketball. To commentate on, yep. So right now is the perfect time to drop um, these episodes. Yep. Alan Iverson is coming in July. So sick. Yeah, so, so what do you got so planned with him? I'm going to sit down and do the Q&A with... Uh, the great one, man. So I'm really, really excited for that. He'd have a story the or two. Two city tour, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Looking forward to that. Um, obviously, Foot Locker, you know, doing my thing with them. Uh, I had some voiceover work I have to do, actually, for Nike coming up in a week or so. Right. Might be doing some, well, not might. I just got off the phone before I came here. We'll possibly be doing some stuff with KO Sports and awesome. UFC. Leverage. Coming leverage. Up, leverage. You know I mean? just, <laughs> just staying busy, man. You know, I got some other things coming. I got a couple of one big thing I'm waiting to announce. Great. Um, so I'm going to go into that. the streetwear, Australian streetwear brands. Uh, looking to partner up with um, this one streetwear this this well this company that was ready to branch out and do mm-hmm. some Aussie streetways, the Aussie group. So really looking forward to that. I think that's uh I mean that's that like I really just want to be in lanes that I have the most experience in and really can serve the people in that way. Yep. Basketball, sneakers, streetwear. Yep. You know, I don't need to do a million things. I don't want to do a million things. You know what I mean? I want to enjoy life. And live a uh, live a fruitful life and a good life and be healthy and, and enjoy life with my family. But I also want to, I love to serve people and uh, make people happy and make people feel good and give the people what they need. And I just think in those three areas, that's when you can um, excel at all of those. And uh, the fourth area is motivational speaking. Yeah, that's the fourth one. I think just those four for right now, I'll be happy in just being in and digging deep. Yep. Into it, I don't want to spread wide. I want to dig deep into four, and be good, those four good pillars. Good at those, yeah. Those yeah. four pillars, yeah. Okay. And well, just from listening to all the stories, you're making me feel motivated as fuck after this. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to the gym after this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go run twenty k. Time, <laughs> Time to work, man. Listen, so, B, we're not here forever. You know, at the end of the day, what you got to show for this shit, all the shit you done did. You know, would you be happy with how you li- did? You leave your mark, right? What's your legacy? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're not here forever. Like, this shit can go like this. So, you know, I love to train. I love to be in the gym. I, I'm in the gym four times a week. I went to the gym today with jeans on and a sweater. <laughs> you see the, the motherfuckers I'm training with? These hardcore. dudes are machines. <laughs> yeah, going. Fuck, I don't need no gym gear on to go work. Let's work right here. I had this on. You see what I'm wearing? That's gangster. That's <laughs> I had this on in the gym doing shoulders today. <laughs> Shout out to Grip. Yeah, man. Like the dudes that I'm training with, these dudes is no joke. They going in warming up with 50s. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, man. So That's it's awesome. like, you know, man, just just provide a great service. I mean, live a live a positive life and, you know, give when you can. And uh 
That's it, man. Absolutely. That's it. I love it, mate. Well, you have been so generous with your time. Like I said, I'm feeling that buzzed up to get shit done after that. Um, good luck with the rest of the docu series. Can't wait to watch the rest of the episodes. Uh, good luck with the NBL. We'll see, have you got one prediction maybe down the lens of the NBL this year? Well, I want something that's just going to break uh, the internet. Oh. Uh, uh, I don't know if we have any internet breaking worthy. Uh, <laughs> Just make something now. up. Just <laughs> but what I can say is Perth is going to be for real this year. B. Keanu Pinder, Bryce, oh, stacked. Saar, the next star, Alexander Saar. He's tough, 7-1 Frenchman. Um, where you lacked last year, um, where you seriously lacked last year was rebounding and yep. defense. Big guy. So yep. you got Pinder and you got Saar. You got the Webster brothers. And you got the young, new New Zealand kid. I forgot his name right now. I mean, obviously, you got Bryce, right? So now, this is, I think, first time in a long time you've loaded the team up with so much support for him. Um, there's no way, like, the, this, this season to disappoint. Absolutely, mate. You're an absolute legend. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure meeting you. And, yeah, love your work. Yeah, much love, man. Thanks. And that's another episode of Fat Chat all wrapped up. That was awesome. I'm going to tell the kids about that one one day. That was so much fun. Uh, and I can't wait to listen back to that myself as well because that was seriously entertaining. But uh, thank you so much, Homicide, for coming down and doing that. You're an absolute legend, mate. Um, and uh, just, oh, I just I love the hustle. I love the message. I love everything about it. The whole story is awesome. So thank you so much for coming down and doing that. And I know that everybody out there would have really uh, taken something away from that one. As always... Uh, guys if you haven't already it literally takes you 30 seconds of your time and i can keep getting awesome guests like homicide on if we uh, get the followers up we get the subscribers up uh, and uh, also get the rating of the podcast up a little bit really really goes a long way so if you haven't already follow subscribe on apple music uh, spotify youtube leave a review five stars of course and as always head on over to www.bodymagic.fit to check out my new online platform literally just dropped this week i'm that excited it's been like 10 months in the making this platform and the features and everything on it is oh, I'm super super stoked and I can't wait to get everybody on there and using it uh, it's everything you need from your workout programs from full customizable meal plans no one's the same we've got leaderboards we've got points trackers we've got habit building exercises we've got absolutely everything on there as well as personal check-ins with me or another body magic coach each and every week working with you one-on-one to achieve your goals just getting that little bit better each and every day uh, and uh, we can focus on weight loss we can do muscle gain we can make you better at your sport whatever it is I want to personally work with you uh, and make up a program that's going to best suit you and your lifestyle but I would love to have you on board to hear any more about any of those packages or to sign up head on over the website www.bodymatch.fit but uh, thank you so much for tuning in guys you're an absolute bloody legends as always I really appreciate it been loving doing the pod and uh, massive episode coming next week Love your work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.